Welcome to the second episode of the Wises STEM podcast, a podcast initiative all about advancing the conversation around inclusion in STEM. STEM stands for science, technology, engineering, and math. This podcast was recorded on Treaty 6 territory. My name is Helen and my pronouns are she and her. I'm the Wises Outreach Coordinator and I'll be your host for this episode. In this episode, we continue the topic of what it's like to pursue STEM as a rural student, but we'll be hearing the stories of an academic and an industry professional who have made their way into the STEM world having been raised in rural towns. We'll be hearing from Dr. Lisa Willis first, an assistant professor at the University of Alberta, and then from Samantha Jones, an electrical and instrumentation engineer up in Grand Prairie. Joining us first is Dr. Lisa Willis. Dr. Willis received their PhD in molecular and cellular biology from the University of Guelph, and then completed a postdoc at the University of Toronto, and now currently is an assistant professor here at the University of Alberta with the Department of Biological Sciences. So. I would love to introduce Dr. Lisa Willis. Thank you very much for having me. Yeah, so we're super excited to have you here. You're such a champion for equity, diversity, and inclusion, and we are just so honored to have you as a part of the Wisest Board. So I'm really excited to talk to you and get to know you a little bit more. Why don't we start with your pronouns and then maybe tell me a little bit about where you were born and raised and a bit about your upbringing. I use the pronouns she, her. I was born in Shaunavon, Saskatchewan. My dad was a police officer and with the RCMP, you move around a lot. So we moved every two to five years, the whole time I was growing up. We moved to BC when I was five to Langley, BC, which was a small town at the time. It was a suburb of Vancouver and Richmond. After Langley, we moved to Kitimat, BC, where I spent five years, and then to Midway, BC, on the border with the US for a year, and then to New Denver, BC, in the Kootenai Mountains, or close to the Kootenai Mountains, and then to Salt Spring Island, and then to Victoria, where I did my undergraduate degree at the University of Victoria. So those places were pretty isolated. Kitimat is a two-day drive from Vancouver. Midway, there are only 200 people. Same with New Denver, there was only 200 people. So I grew up in very isolated environments. There were few opportunities to really participate in any kind of STEM initiatives the way that people in Edmonton or Vancouver can. I knew that I was passionate about science. When my mom cooked the Thanksgiving turkey, I would take the heart and I would play with the heart and try and dissect it and understand how it worked. So I knew I was interested in science and I went to university thinking I was going to be a doctor. And I got to my first microbiology class and I just thought, this is the coolest thing ever. I love science, I love discovery. And I wasn't a very good student. The transition of you know moving from small towns to Victoria, which was a, a big city to me at the time, was a lot. And I was a very smart individual when I was in high school. I never did homework because it was very easy for me. But then I got to university where I actually had to study and I had never developed any of those studying techniques. And so my first couple of years of university were really challenging for me. Yeah, I didn't realize that you had moved so much. So on top of moving into different rural communities, 
you're also having to deal with not having that consistency and stability in your networks, your teachers, your peers. So yeah, that must have made it really difficult to kind of seize opportunities as well. Yeah, it's interesting because at the time there was no social media. Nobody had their own phone. We didn't even have a personal computer when we were living in Kitimat. So when I moved, I was really cutting ties unless I wanted to write letters and I'm not a letter writer. What that meant though, I tried to see the good in it. And what that meant was that at a critical time in my life, I was able to reinvent myself. Every time I moved somewhere new, I could try to be a better version of myself without people reminding me about the stupid, embarrassing things that I had done. So for me, it was actually a little bit freeing challenging. It wasn't all bad. Yeah. That's a great way of looking at it. And that's funny. I mean, at least you have the awareness that it is, you know, something that you haven't developed skills around and (laughs) having to hunker down. So, you know, you've moved to all these different places. You've experienced all of these different things. You've dissected hearts of your turkeys, but what really got you interested and engaged in STEM? I wanted to be a doctor, obviously, but Fairly early on in my university education, I realized that I wasn't all that fond of people, you know, just the general public. Sometimes I had a hard time dealing with them. And I realized that as a doctor, while you are helping people, you are also frequently seeing them at their worst. And I just didn't think that I was the right person for that career. And I wasn't quite sure what I wanted to do. And I told you that I I have a hard time with tests. So I wasn't doing very well grade wise in university. And I remember I took advantage of as many opportunities to learn about different things as I could. So universities have a ton of seminars and workshops and information sessions that provide information that could be useful. And I went to one of these and it was about co-op. Cooperative education is a component of some universities, but I saw this co-op program and I thought, I can't do another semester of school. I need to do something different. And I applied to get into the co-op program and I was accepted. And I actually ended up getting a job in Ottawa at the National Research Council Canada. So I went to work for the government for four months. And it was just the most spectacular experience ever because I was actively trying to learn new things, things that nobody in the world knew. I was putting puzzles together. That's essentially what science is. It's a series of puzzles and trying to figure out why things happen the way that they happen. And for me, that set off a love affair with doing research. And I was fortunate enough to be able to go back to the National Research Council Canada for my subsequent co-op work terms. And I loved it. And so I actually ended up staying there for four years after I finished my bachelor's degree to work as a technician in a lab before I decided that this was my career. I was going to do this. And I actually wanted to run my own research program. So I needed to go back to school and get my PhD. Wow. It sounds like the co-op program was so pivotal in what you are pursuing now. Is there an influential person? Like, did someone help you through that co-op process or you just thought of posting and decided, hey, I'm just going to put my name in. I don't know if I'm going to get it, but if I do, we'll go from there. That's exactly what happened is I went in not knowing how it would turn out. And I think that that has really characterized my career, that confidence without really a reason for having that confidence. I had no experience working in a lab. There was no reason for this person to hire me, but they did because I applied, even though I was probably unqualified and certainly not the greatest student. 
And I really think that that is such a valuable piece of advice to move forward and apply for things and try things, even if there is a potential for you to fail, that's fine. You know, we, I think, hold on to failure far more tightly than we should, and it limits what we can achieve. So two pieces of advice, one, gather all of the information that you can by taking advantage of all of these online opportunities and then apply for things, try things, do things that you maybe don't even think that you can do because you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I think that's so important. And I think for all of our listeners, you're never going to get picked for a certain program if you don't put your name in, you know, if you don't apply for those programs. So those are two really great pieces of advice. So I'm curious, did you have any mentors growing up? I did have a few great science teachers who I don't think mentored me the way that some people experience mentoring, but certainly I was delighted with what they were teaching and they were delighted because I was delighted. There was a good in-class relationship there. And because I was in small towns, it was very easy to get to know your science teacher. And so I, I don't know if they remember me, but I certainly remember them. I have fond memories of several science teachers. I love that. So when you were moving around to all the different towns, were you able to find like-minded people who were like, yeah, I want to dissect turkey hearts too? I did not. The towns that I was in were so small. It was unusual to find anyone who was as geeky about science as I was. I did have a couple of very close friends, but I never was able to really engage with someone who liked science as much as I do in the way that it's possible to do now. I mean, with Facebook groups and Twitter hashtags and stuff like that. It is so much easier now to find people around the world who are as geeky about science as you are. And I think that that's really cool. Yeah. So can you think back to, you know, high school, what are some STEM opportunities that you can remember pursuing at that time? Or maybe you didn't. There weren't any that I was aware of. What I would say is that one of the most important things that you can do is focus on your grades because good grades in high school will open doors for you. It'll get you scholarships so that you can actually afford to move forward in your education. It will get you access to universities that you want to go to. So geek out as much as you can. It's not the end of the world if you get to university and you don't have, you know, a list of science credentials on your CV. Volunteering to be a leader in an organization, whether that's girl guides or swim instructors, anything that shows leadership and responsibility. Yeah, that's so important to say, like the things that you have done, what qualities and characteristics have you actually gained from that? And how can you apply them to the new situation? So leadership is very, very important. I totally agree with you. Now that you know you're further along in your career, what is one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? to be brave, to not worry so much about the potential negative consequences. I mean, it's always important to consider the negative consequences of something, but be brave, try new things, even if there's a potential for you to fail. Go and talk to your professors, go and talk to people, Just send them emails, say you'd like to learn more about them. Just in your life, even if you don't end up going into science, be brave in whatever you do. And as a second thing, be kind, be kind to one another, be kind to yourself. 
And I think that goes a little bit with being brave because when you are brave and you do do something that doesn't work out, it's important to be kind to yourself when evaluating, you know, how could you have done that better and how could you do it differently next time? And with that piece of advice, I would love to thank Dr. Willis for joining us and sharing your story about your experiences. Next, we have Samantha Jones, a former Wise's Summer Research Program student who is currently up in Grand Prairie working as an electrical and instrumentation engineer, while also pursuing a master's degree in engineering. So without further ado, I'd love to introduce Samantha Jones. Hello, thank you for having me today. Hello. So why don't we just get started with your pronouns and then maybe tell me a little bit about where you were born and raised and just a bit about your upbringing. Absolutely. So my pronouns are she, her. I was born up in Whitehorse, Yukon back in 1991. And I was raised in Grand Prairie. That's where I currently live and have lived since I was four years old. Yeah. Awesome. So what are you currently doing? I mean, I made mention that you're an electrical and instrumentation engineer, but what does that all mean? Could you boil it down to simple terms, what you do day to day? Absolutely. So I used to work in design. So I used to be able to design power systems and instrumentation for oil and gas industries, pulp mills, really anything that needs power, anything that needs instruments controlling it and the central control systems for those facilities. I used to design that. Now that I'm a little bit more senior in my career, I reviewed the design that other engineers create. So I'm more of a manager, I guess, but I still have my hands deep in the design, which gives me a lot of responsibility and say over how the design goes, which is really exciting. And my company has tasked me with creating standards. So I now get the say in how future design will get to be completed. Yeah, that's awesome. So let's jump right into your history with STEM. What got you interested in STEM? I think the main thing was my dad was always so interested in the way things work. He always wanted to take things apart, fix them, make them better. And he kind of raised me with, well, why isn't it working? How can we make that better? What can we do differently? And having that mindset, you know, going through school, going through high school, you know, if something doesn't work, well, how can we fix it? You never throw something out because things are expensive and you want to be able to understand how it works to make it better. Yeah, that's awesome. And to see that kind of critical thinking, problem solving skills right from the get go as a young person is a very important skill to observe, but also to learn yourself and adapt to. Exactly. And I mean, problem solving is difficult and a lot of people get discouraged with it because it's hard. You know, it's hard to see a problem and think your way through it. But the best feeling is when it works when you figure out how to fix something and it turns back on or your code runs, those are the things that you get this like really good feeling inside. And you're like, I want to do that again. Yeah. I love that. That is very much a good feeling Uh, when you got something to work and your watch is ticking again or something. That's definitely a good feeling. Do you have a favorite STEM memory? Uh, Absolutely. Um, Again, my dad comes to mind again. I guess he's my main role model. I mean, growing up, he was probably the only technical person that, you know, I ever really had the opportunity to interact with. But he works as an engineering technologist and he used to bring me out to some of the sites that he worked at. And so I would get to watch him, you know, wire batteries and he would explain why we need the antenna. And it was just so exciting. You know, every couple of months that I get to go on a car ride with him somewhere and watch him hook things up and see the lights come on. And I'm like, Ooh, I want to do that. 
Yeah, that sounds fun. So what are some of those challenges that you faced when pursuing STEM and how did you overcome that challenge? Absolutely. So I was raised in a low income family. Um, I'm an only child. And, you know, while my parents did the best they could to provide, you know, opportunities like camps and girl guides, those types of things weren't available to me growing up. It was definitely harder to get involved with science and technology because, you know, I didn't have any role models and I wasn't doing any programs. Really, the way that I overcame it was just picking a subject that I really enjoyed and then just working at it, you know, and I really liked math because I was good at math. And when you're good at something, you enjoy it. And if you find something that you're good at, keep going with it. Yeah, that's a really good piece of advice. And so being in a rural area, did you have troubles finding like-minded people or were there even like-minded people around you? I definitely had troubles finding like-minded people. I know back in 2006 through 2008, in my high school at least, the intelligent kids or the nerds, uh, we weren't very well liked. You know, we're kind of those outcasts. You know, we like studying and we like science. And it was hard to find other people that wanted to think like that, you know, and being bullied. And it was difficult. It was very difficult. But really, you're doing what you like. And as long as what you like makes you happy, then you got to just keep doing it no matter what. Yeah, I love that. So what are some opportunities you did take advantage of? In high school, I think one of the main things that I participated in was just some of the free events that the college hosted, getting in touch with the local college in your area, because they offer, you know, introductory nights and career nights and presentations from some of the professors. So I went to a couple of those when I was 15, 16, and somewhere down the line, I believe somebody recommended Wisest to me. And, you know, honestly, out of all the things I think I've ever done, Wisest was probably one of the best motivators for pursuing science, even though I did my wisest program in biological sciences. And if anything, that made me realize that I don't like bio-sci. <laughs> um, you know, I spent eight weeks yeah. working in something that I originally thought that I wanted to do and was like, that's not for me. Let's figure out something else. Yeah. And I think that's equally important is not only to find the things that you love, but also find the things that you don't care for. Mm -hmm, exactly. And for about 10 years growing up, I think all I wanted to do was study sharks. And I'm like, how do I study sharks? Well, sharks are biological sciences and you got to go to a university that teaches that and probably one on the ocean. And so by the time I was 14, 15, I was looking at universities and then, you know, I got the opportunity to go into Wisest and I was like, I want to do biological sciences. And I did eight weeks of exactly that. And, you know, I was introduced to what some of the courses would be like and what a career in biosci would be like. And I'm like, you know what? That's not for me. And something that Wises gave me the opportunity of was to meet other kids that liked science too and see what their experience was with their program. And you know, what are you guys taking? And what does a career in that look like? So just going to an event or a program and maybe you don't learn what you want from it, but you know, networking at a young age was like, huh, that puts a different ideas in your head. Yeah. Really good point there. I did want to circle back. You said that you had reached out to, you know, local colleges or participated in some of their science related days. How did you find out about those opportunities? It was definitely a teacher. I believe my teachers, you know, seen that I was really enjoying sciences and they're like, well, hey, did you know that the college here offers, you know, an introductory course? And you're like, 
oh, let me ask my parents, right? And being from a low-income family, all of these events usually put on by the college, they were free. And, you know, they were early evenings or on the weekends. So, you know, my parents could come too. And it just really helped. Yeah. Did you ever look at any of those experiences and say like, yeah, I could totally have imagined myself being an engineer? Never, never. never. I, I didn't decide on engineering until probably... I would say somewhere after grade 12, um, I knew that I wanted to do something in science. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I knew a lot of what I didn't like. You know, I knew I didn't like social studies and I knew I didn't like arts and English. And I wasn't that good at bio because I didn't like it and wisest. And I'm like, what do I want to do? And, you know, then I look at what my dad was doing and I'm like, how can I be better than my dad? <laughs> and and uh, that pointed me towards engineering and engineering has... 13, 14 different subtypes of engineering. It's like, how do I pick one? And that was even more difficult. But, you know, fortunately for engineering, you don't need to pick what type of engineering you like until after you're done your first year. So your first year gives you the whole spread of types and you find what you like and you do that. Yeah, that's really, really awesome. And that gives you that freedom to explore. So Now, in hindsight, what are some opportunities that you wished you had the opportunity to participate and take advantage of back in your high school days? Honestly, a lot of the opportunities that I wish I participated in were more expensive ones, you know, like Girl Guides and Science Olympics and the camps that you get sent away to at the TELUS World of Science and events like that. And some of the events that happened exclusively at the university, because I know the U of A offers so many summer programs and being in Grand Prairie, you know, those weren't entirely available to me. So that would have been amazing. And now it's a little bit better because things are so easier and a lot more stuff is offered online. And the internet is even better now. Everybody's got a computer. So if you want to know something, there's a YouTube page for that, right? I know one thing for me too, in high school, AP sciences and AP math, those weren't available to me. If those are ever available in the place that you're going to school, take them. Yeah, that's a really good suggestion. And I want to mention that nowadays organizations tend to have subsidies. So always, always, always check to see if those subsidies or bursaries are available. And that gives you the opportunity to participate in something like that. So what is one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? Honestly, just follow your dreams. You know, moving away to university is scary and there's not really any way to sugarcoat that, you know, especially if you're in a rural city and Edmonton is a big, scary place. And so is Calgary and the university is massive on both campuses, but it's so fun. Honestly, you know, people say that high school is the best time of your life, but university is the best time of your life. You're surrounded by people who are doing the same thing as you are and you meet friends, you live with people, you know, you go out and you have fun, follow your dreams, follow your passion, because as long as you're doing something that you like, it doesn't matter what anybody else says, you know, you're doing it for you and you're happy. And that's really what matters. That's awesome. Thank you to both Dr. Lisa Willis and Samantha Jones for sharing your stories with us. I hope our listeners were able to pick out some good nuggets of advice. Make sure to stay in the know about the Wisest STEM podcast by subscribing wherever you get your podcasts. If you'd like to stay updated on programs that Wisest offers, consider subscribing to our monthly e-newsletter or following us on social media. You can find all that information in the description. That's it for now. Tune in to our next episode, which will be released in February. Thank you.